Hello, friends. Welcome and thanks for listening to the Hillcrest Covenant Church podcast. This week, we had the pleasure of welcoming Tony Pizarro. Tony preached out of Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40, a new thing in an old place. Remember, you can watch our live stream that happens Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook, or you can find us at hillcrestdecalb.com. Grace and peace. I thank you all for your hospitality, your grace, your kindness. I thank Pastor Jen, Pastor Bill, some of my friends, Amy, Brian, Bruce, that I have met over the last couple of months that I have come here. Um, I ask that you all are patient with me this morning. I understand that I have an accent, so some words may not come off the, the best of way. And for disclosure, I am black, so some of my lens <laughs> may... Uh, <laughs> Maybe a little bit different, so I just asked, you know, that, hey, I didn't go all the way Trevor Noah for you, so, you know, just ask for that up front. So during the time that I was visiting, Pastor Jen had a series called Waiting. And I realized that as we are entering into the new year, some people are still waiting, similar to those who were waiting for Jesus, the same way we wait today. So her series was, what are you waiting for? Waiting in silence, waiting in community, and waiting for love. This morning, I would like to invite all of you out of the waiting room. For God is doing a new thing in the old place. This church has 141-year history. And as you look around you, there have been a lot of changes. Some of us had a full hill of hair in our early 20s. Some of us had black hair you know, all the way up to 50. Nevertheless, God is still with us. I am because of the grace of God. Our scripture this morning comes from Acts 8, 26 through 40. Feel free to follow along in your phone, within your Bible, or along with the screen as I read. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandike, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to worship in Jerusalem. And on his way home, he was sitting in, a, in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the unit was reading. He was led like a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before his, its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked, Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? 
himself or someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his rejoicing, went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all of the towns until he reached Caesarea. The reason why I chose this scripture this morning, because of the eunuch, we talk about Hillcrest being a recovery community, but there is something about a hope that makes someone travel from the end of the earth to find God. Where there should be no hope, they still have hope. As I sit here today and think about my travels from Chicago to this church, I think about my friend Amy in the back. The first person I met coming in the door, she had a smile, she was welcoming, so apologetic that she ran out of brochures. <laughs> At the end of service, she said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we just didn't have enough. I said, well, I should have been on time then. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, I also was able to meet Lois. Now, I say I couldn't have picked a worse day to come to church. They are dealing with church business, budgets, inside stories, and yet here I go. What am I doing here? Yet Lois took the time, say, sit here. This is the itinerary. This is what we are doing. And she continued to be a godsend. As we joked about how young, I said Brian appeared. I couldn't believe he got married in 88, graduated that long ago. And he said, well, really not that young. And, you know, I still say, you know, maybe it's shaveless hair, no facial hair. I can't really tell. But nevertheless, that day we talked, we joked. We got a chance to know each other. For me, I was not a member of this church, nor did I fit the primary demographic. Although I was being included, I still felt like an outsider. Are there times or moments when you were included, but still felt like an outsider? Take your time. Think about it. Do you remember what it feels like? I'm sure there are days where you have shown up to the supermarket, work, church, family gatherings, even meetings, and felt excluded. Had there been times that you have shown up and you have been excluded because of what you were wearing, your opinion, your choices, or your beliefs, can you think of a time when you excluded others? Maybe it was because of someone's political views, profession, religion, or culture. Sometimes exclusion or differences will happen because it just is. It is not intentional, it just is. What does it feel like to be excluded? Lonely, sad, powerless, isolated? How about angry? Just because people show up 
doesn't mean that they are not excluded. Just because people have power does not mean that they are not excluded. Just because people have privilege does not mean that they are not excluded. What labels are being used to restrict and codify? We are all here today in the house of God. God calls us to meet people in the spirit, as we've seen with Philip. When we meet people in the spirit, barriers are removed, community is formed, and transformation happens. The significance of the restoration, reconciliation, and redemption of the unit is only significant when viewed in how far the unit was removed socially, culturally, religiously, and geographically from his access to salvation. Bear with me as I give you a little background about the unit. Luke says that he was traveling from Ethiopia to Jerusalem for worship. No name was given of the unit. His identity was circumscribed to his status, his ethnicity, and his disability. Being a eunuch meant that you could not undergo religious initiation, circumcision, or convert to Judaism. Commentators have stated that eunuchs, by belonging neither to the male nor female, uh, violated cultural expectations and purity norms. In Judaism, because of his physical mutilation, he was prohibited from joining the congregation of the Lord. He was prohibited from interacting with the larger social body. There was a certain attitude toward eunuchs. They were the most despised and derided group of men. Located within the writings of Polemo were notes that referenced the eunuchs as an evil people, innately greedy and possessing a host of evil qualities. Jewish priest, scholar, and historian Josephus reasserted this in his writings that these sentiments existed among Greek-speaking Jews as well. When I go look at the original Hebrew word, it had nothing to do with sexual impotence, but it referred to a person's state. The text does not definitively state whether the unit was born as such or how he came to be in this state. Luke does not describe him as a God-fearer, as he had done with others such as Cornelius or those who were not Jews. With that being said, I wonder, why is this eunuch traveling to Jerusalem to worship? If he is familiar with the Jewish temple, surely he's familiar with Deuteronomy 23.1. He that is wounded or mutilated in his secrets shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Everything socially and culturally has been set up to disenfranchise the eunuch. Yet, there is this inner sense of hope that every human possesses. This inner sense of hope comes from the spirit that God has given to every human despite their status in life. It was after temple service in the middle of a day on an isolated road that the eunuch found himself being drawn to the words of the prophet Isaiah. For the custom of the time, the eunuch was reading out loud. Philip was not alarmed. Philip's concern was whether this stranger understood what he was reading. In response to Philip's question, the unit asked, how can I 
unless someone guides me. In verse 34, the eunuch asks Philip whether the prophet is talking about himself or someone else. When Philip responded, he began with telling the good news of the Jesus Christ, similar to how Pastor Dave, um, Pastor Bill told us this morning. Whenever we talk about the gospel, we must begin with Jesus Christ. Whenever we talk about our lives, we must begin with Jesus Christ. After hearing the good news about Jesus, the eunuch saw water and asked Philip, what kept me from being baptized? The eunuch's request for baptism rested on his understanding that in this act, he will be confessing his faith as well as repenting for his sins. Now, you all have just read this text. You don't necessarily follow the lectionary, a lot of commentary, and a lot of times we do not talk about the eunuch and some of the background history of why I believe this text is important. Judaism would not have perceived Jesus as the Messiah of that time. So later on, a particular text was added to the manuscript. And this was, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They are supplying this saying that in order for the union to be baptized, he must understand that he must not only confess his sins, he must also acknowledge publicly that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. So later, this has been added to manuscripts. The eunuch has left his home, country, and security because his spirit was not at rest. There are things that our spirit desires contrary to the flesh. For one, it seeks to reunite with its creator. How, much do, how do you think he felt always being alone? No matter how much wealth or power he attained, it was empty. He was at the whim of others. Although eunuchs were described as chamberlains, this particular eunuch was in charge of all the treasures of Ethiopia. He may have worked to transcend the labels and limits placed on him, but no, they continued to follow him. Can you imagine, can you imagine what it felt like to have people judge you based on external factors, stereotypes, or on the behaviors of a group? Whatever happened to individual merit where is redemption? Where is the justice? For the eunuch, it did not exist. Eunuchs were expected to humbly accept contempt, discrimination, ridicule, and exclusion because of their social status. It is believed that the eunuch had already read the previous verses. The eunuch was seeking answers to the prophet but he did not know the good news of Jesus Christ. Even though the eunuch had gone to worship, he still had no way to understand what was being said. No Jewish person would have sat with him and explained the words of the prophet. Anyone who would have come in contact with him would have been made unclean. There was no way for the eunuch to convert to Judaism because circumcision was not available. It took vulnerability and humility for the eunuch to acknowledge that he needed guidance. The eunuch had to trust and believe that Philip had his best interests. There was no room for fear, distrust, or repudiation. Philip had to be willing to accept the invitation from someone he was taught to despise and avoid contact with through the Mosaic law. Philip had to be willing to travel with a stranger. Philip and the eunuch each 
had to do something different. They both had to be vulnerable. Brene Brown believes vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It is the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. Webster Dictionary defined vulnerability as the state or quality of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. We live in a time where pride is considered strength, vulnerability a weakness, and competitiveness a virtue. In one of his letters, St. Augustine wrote, the way to Christ is first through humility, second through humility, third through humility. He also said, it was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men as angels. During one of my visits, I experienced this humility from Bruce. I told him why I was visiting and asked several questions about a social justice issue that will be relevant to this context, to this community. He took his time to explain to me that many African-American students were graduating from NIU and moving to DeKalb. As a result of them graduating and moving to DeKalb, a lot of their families also moved and relocated to DeKalb. One of the reasons stated for the tension was cultural. As we continued to talk, I explained that I'm a black man and you are a white man. We have two different histories. We have two different traditions. We have two different cultures. If we begin with this premise without finding fault, then we can move forward. Because some of these things we do not acknowledge. And therefore, we become strangers to one another. As me and Bruce talked, we realized that we had more overlap than we had differences. Honest conversation is the beginning of deconstructing barriers that prevent us from being loving neighbors. Before you go with a mission, how about you go as a neighbor? Philip's mission to the unit was not planned by him nor the church. It was from God. God knew that the unit was someone of faith and hope. This church has a 141-year history. It is doing missions locally as well as globally. I applaud this church and its leadership for being a light in a dark world. Being a light in this dark world also involves understanding that these African-Americans are seeking the same as any other American, which is the pursuit of justice, equality, and freedom. They have graduated from college. They are using their degrees to gain employment. They are looking for a better life, just like every other American. Racial division exists all across America for a myriad of reasons. I have heard it stated that I don't want to lose my culture or traditions. I can tell you, as a black man, 
I don't want your culture or your traditions. So you don't have to worry about losing them. I am also here to tell you this morning, God does not ask you to blindly abandon your culture, your identity, or your history when you follow or come to Jesus. God commands you to abandon all things that produce enmity, strife, jealousy, selfishness, anger, dissension, and envy. If, after using a spirit of discernment, you realize that your religion, culture, or way of life produce division, hate, oppression, or exclusion, then you should abandon them. Beware. Beware. You never know where God may send you or who you will be sent to connect with. I want to remind you of a few things from our passage this morning. Did you notice that the Spirit came upon the eunuch outside of the temple? Did you notice that the eunuch was received and taught by someone who was outside of his ethnicity and his culture? Did you notice that God was doing a new thing in an old place such as Jerusalem? If you went across social and cultural barriers, you must follow the example of Philip. Philip did not only speak to the eunuch, he accepted the invitation to travel with the eunuch. Philip's actions were countercultural at the time. Philip did not just talk, but met the need of the eunuch through the baptism. It is easy to look at someone and form a judgment not knowing from how far they have come or what they must encounter day to day. Someone under the bridge yesterday may be on the corner today, but they are no longer under the bridge. It is easy to acquiesce to the status quo and say, this is how it always has been, and this is how it always will be. It takes courage, humility, vulnerability, hope, faith, and prayer across any barrier. When you meet people in the spirit, barriers are removed, community is formed, and transformation happens. It is easy to exclude people who are socially, racially, or culturally different because they are different. We are all different. If you take the time to ask questions, you will learn that there is more overlap than there are differences. Who is being included, excluded in your community? Maybe it is the worship music that excludes. Maybe it's the Catholic or Lutheran who converted to the covenant that feels excluded. Maybe it's someone who is constantly being reminded that they are a townie who feels excluded. Maybe it's the old churchgoers used to church being one way and now it's a new way that feels excluded. Maybe it's those who have no roots in the church, who have just started coming to church, who may feel excluded. Just because people are present doesn't mean that they are not excluded. No matter who it is, we must meet them in the spirit. Exclusion does something to a person's spirit over time. 
This is why Jesus said, come to me, all who are tired, and you will find rest. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he died so that you, you, and I may live. Jesus is our light. Jesus is our way. Jesus is our salvation. On a lonely road, a eunuch rejoiced after learning about Jesus and being baptized. The same barriers that exist socially and culturally are sometimes found within, I hate to say it, church culture. Power and privileges are meaningless without humility. They may provide access, but they are also limiting, as we saw with the eunuch. The eunuch had power and privilege, which provided him with access. Still, he was not able to use his power or his privilege to transcend his lot in life. On the other hand, Philip was being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. It is the responsibility of Christians to guide those who lack understanding through action. There are individuals who have enough faith and hope to attend church weekly, despite feeling excluded. Their spirit is reaching out to something. Who knows the verse that they read, reread, alone, awaiting guidance. Today, we have the internet, the Bible, and many other resources that they did not have in antiquity. In our text, all they had was a singular scroll. We know that old things have passed away. We know that we are awaiting salvation. We know that there are no longer slaves, Jews, or Gentiles. The eunuch did not. We do not have to live as if Jesus is a tribal savior. As I leave you this morning, I invite you to embody the words of American novelist, Toni Morrison. If you are free, you need to free somebody else. If you have some power, then your job is to empower somebody else. Amen? I'd like to lead us in prayer. Lord, Jehovah Jireh, creator of all things, big and small, we pray that we are spirit-led. We pray that you cover us as we leave and walk amongst strangers in this world today. We pray for those who are traveling during this season as well as those who are present in the sanctuary. We pray that you remove the burdens from their lives, their hearts, and their pathways. Lord, there are some things that others cannot understand because they have always been on the inside. But we pray that you give them a glimpse of what it's like to be on the outside. Even if it's only mental health, there are a lot of things that keep us from being in community. It is not only racial, sometimes it's culturally and socially. But we pray that the same way the cross holds the tension of our sin, that we may hold the tensions of our differences. In Jesus' name, we submit and petition. Amen.